If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a very good Erev to all of you. It's special to be here with you. Because not only is it a special Erev Shabbos, we're going to celebrate the Parsha of Yeshev, a fascinating story of how Yosef encounters his brothers in a very problematic sort of way, and he ends up in Egypt, first of all, as a slave, and ultimately becomes the viceroy, the second in command in that incredibly strange land. But straight from Shabbos, the day after Shabbos, Sunday night, we begin the incredibly joyous festival of Hanukkah. Sunday night, we kindle the very first Hanukkah lamp. And in ascending order every single night thereafter, two, three, until we come the following Sunday night, we kindle the complete menorah Hanukkah, eight lamps. A joyous, wonderful festival that we'll talk about just now. But I'm going to begin the show today by paying tribute to a very special young man, Ellie Kay. I'm sure you've heard of him, who was murdered earlier this week by a Hamas terrorist in Jerusalem. He was on his way to the Kotel to pray. In his hand he had his tefillin, a sefer called Likutei Sichot, and a Hamas terrorist dressed as, as a Hasidic Jew, as a Jerusalemite, shot him. Fatally killed him and injured four others. The entire world is in a state of pain and grief. Not only because a young man on his way to the Kotel was murdered, but because this Ellie Kay was an extraordinary, very special young man. He was an individual who lived life in an incredibly, not only interesting way, independent way, but he was a young man who lived life to the fullest as a Jew in an incredible sort of way. He was a graduate of Torah Academy schools here in South Africa. He went to kindergarten there, preschool, primary school, matriculated. He went to Yeshiva in Israel, in Kiryat Gat, the Chabatz Yeshiva in Kiryat Gat. He joined Sahel, he enlisted in the army. After he made Aliyah, became a paratrooper, nothing less than a paratrooper, and he earned his wings. He worked in a kibbutz. All these things this young man accomplished with a tremendous sense of zeal and passion, a love for Eretz Yisrael, a love for the land of Israel, an Ahabat Yisrael, a love to the people of Israel. What made this young man so special? What gave him the ability to achieve so much in his young life? What made him the hero that the entire Jewish world turned to him? Wherever, wherever there is a Jewish community, there was a memorial service in one way or another for Eliyahu David and Avram Chaim K. May Hashem avenge his blood. Here in South Africa, on Wednesday evening, South African Board of Jewish Board of Deputies organized a memorial service for Eli. And speakers, one after the other, the ambassador, the chief rabbi, others, spoke about what made this young man extraordinary. Spoke about his love for the land. Spoke about his love for Yiddishkeit. 
But his lifelong friend, a man by the name of a man by the name of Dubby Lampert, got up and spoke about their friendship, how they began their friendship at nursery school at Torah Academy. And they went on through school and in yeshiva, and they studied together. And he spoke about Ellie from that perspective, because although we heard from a great many people who knew him or just knew about him, here was a chaver, here was a friend who spoke about Ellie from the perspective that only a friend could and should. And he told the story of a young man who was not going to be deterred by any obstacle in life. He was going to live life to the fullest, whatever he did, whether in the army, whether in yeshiva, study, whether working on a kibbutz. He was going to live life to the fullest. And what he said made a very deep impression on the hundreds of people that attended that memorial service. He said whatever he learned, and he loved learning. He loved learning Torah. In particular, he loved learning Hasidut, the words of the Rebbe. And whenever he learned something in Hasidut, he wanted to apply that lesson to his life. It wasn't something theoretical. He saw within it the idea of Torah Chaim, something in Torah that is part and parcel of life, and he wanted to apply it to life. This was a very special young man with deep roots here in South Africa, deep roots in the Holy Land of Israel as well. His grandparents, Jesse and Cliffy, pioneering founding members of the Chabad community here in South Africa. His other grandparents, his maternal grandparents, are by Shlomo and Linda Levine, pillars of the community in London. Rabbi Levine is the rabbi of the South Hampstead Hebrew congregation and a tremendous, tremendous force in Yiddishkeit in London. You know, nothing grows in a vacuum. It takes nurturing. Ellie's parents, Avi and Devorah, Avi is well known to the community of Chai FM. He had a regular show talking about finance during the day. His mother, Devorah, held a very high senior position education in the Torah Academy Girls High School. She was an educator, cum laude, par excellence. Ellie grew up in an environment of tremendous, tremendous chesed. His parents' home, his grandparents' home, noted for the type of kindness and goodness that makes for a special Jewish home. Homes that spoke about and in fact exemplified a love for Israel, a love for a fellow Jew. It wasn't something that was vague. It wasn't something that was spoken about in terms that are, well, different and distant. It was real. It was practical. It was lived. This is where Ellie grew up. And Ellie grew up in a school that taught these values in a real and practical way as well. Ellie grew up, he was nurtured with these values in a tremendous, tremendous way. And Ellie became a symbol 
of all that we strive for, all that we stand for. And this is why at his funeral, at the various memorial services, articles in the newspaper, on the radio, on television, everyone speaks about this young man's passion for that which he stood for, the values that he stood for. His brother mentioned something interesting. I listened to the radio. His brother said, Ellie couldn't have left this world in any other way, but only in this way. He was too passionate about that which he stood for. And this is why he could only live and leave this world in a dramatic sort of way. On the way to the Kota, holding on to his tefillin, and holding on to a book of the Rebbe's Torah. A tremendous international campaign called Tefillin Against Terror has been established. It's on Facebook. It's called Tefillin Against Terror, or on Twitter, it's called at Tefillin for Ellie. Hundreds, if not thousands of people have already joined in fact, people are coming to the Shiva house in Modi'in to put on the film that Ellie was holding when he was killed. Women as well. A tremendous international campaign of women and girls lighting Shabbat candles in memory of Ellie. We should all encourage people to become part of the film and Shabbat candle campaign in memory of Ellie. A special person, a unique person, a great hero, a great symbol of a young Jewish man who lived life to the fullest and became a symbol of what a young Jewish man should be. We owe it to him. We owe it to all of us. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We were just talking about a modern-day Jewish hero, Ellie Kay, whose life was cut short by a brutal, bloodthirsty Hamas terrorist in Jerusalem. But we're going to talk about other great Jewish heroes. In fact, we're going to talk about Matisyahu and his sons, the great Maccabees, the heroes of the festival of Hanukkah. We're talking about the great Maccabees, the heroes that fought against the Greek Hellenists that, well, tried to destroy the Holy Temple, the Betamikdash, and they defiled it by introducing idolatry, and not only introducing idolatry into the Temple, but introducing idolatry into the lives of the people of Israel. And a handful of people, Matisyahu and his sons, stood up against this formidable army, and miraculously, miraculously won a war against this mighty force. And what happened, of course, is the great miracle of how they found one jar of oil that still had the seal of the high priest. And they were able to bring it to the menorah, to the candelabra that was going to last one day. And miraculously, it lasted for eight days. And this is how we celebrate the festival of Hanukkah each day. We light in ascending order the candles, the lamps, the lights of Hanukkah 
the first night one, the second night two, three, four, until we complete the eight. In actual fact, when you ask people how you celebrate Hanukkah, so many will say, Hanukkah, that's the festival of latkes. I love potato latkes on Hanukkah. Or not only that, I love Sufganiyot donuts throughout the world, particularly in Israel. People adore the festival of Hanukkah because you have this incredible range of donuts on Hanukkah. Do you know why we eat latkes and donuts on Hanukkah? Of course, because uh, they taste they taste so delicious. But the underlying reason why we eat donuts, latkes, and other such foods on Hanukkah is because of the oil. Donuts, as you know, is fried in oil, as are latkes. Now, what's so special about the oil? Yes, the miracle of the oil lasted for eight days. But why do we make such a fuss about the oil, about the miracle of the oil? Weren't there greater miracles? This incredible war? A handful of people standing up against the mightiest force of that time? The Greek Hellenists had the most powerful army and they were completely in control of Jerusalem, of the temple area of Israel. And this handful of people, Matisyahu and his sons, beat them, beat them. Why don't we talk about that as much as we talk about the miracle of the oil? What was that all about? And we celebrated, as I said before, with these culinary treats, the donuts, ganiot, and the latkes. And the answer is a very profound answer that Hasidut talks about at great length. What happened? What happened when the Hellenists came in and took possession of Israel? What was their intention? Was their intention to physically destroy the Jewish people, to kill the Jewish people? No, that was not their intention. Their intention was to destroy the soul, the spiritual dimension of the Jewish people. In actual fact, in actual fact, they really didn't mind if the Jewish people continued to study the Torah. But on one condition, with one proviso. You can study the Torah as long as long as you accept that the Torah is not the word of God. There's no divinity in it. It's a book of, well, intellectual worth, of logical worth. The Hellenists were individuals who actually worshipped logic, intellectual pursuits. And they said, well, the Torah is just one other dimension of academic pursuit, and by all means study it, but not because it represents the Word of God. They wanted to uproot, destroy the divine dimension, the godly dimension of Torah. In actual fact, they didn't mind if the Jewish people performed various mitzvot commandments, but on condition that they did not do so, because they saw them as commandments from God, but rather as cultural modes of behavior, 
Various ethnic groups had different modes of behavior. The Jewish people did this, that, or the other because that's the way the Jewish people behaved. Not because these were divine commandments. The Hellenists tried to destroy the divinity, the godliness, the faith, the emunah in God. They tried to destroy the word of God in Torah. They try to destroy the commandment of God in Mitzvot. This is what the oil represents. The oil represents that which is higher than logic. Logic is a human condition. Quite profound, quite powerful, quite intense, by all means. Great scholars. Great mathematicians, great astronomers, people who understood the laws of physics, the laws of nature, but denied the higher than logic laws of divine, of divine Torah, of divine commandments. The oil represents the word of Hashem. And this is why when the Hellenists came into the temple, they systematically destroyed all the jars of oil. One would think, if you want to take possession of the Bet HaMikdash, if you want to take possession of the Holy Temple, destroy it, bring in idols, bring in all your symbols. And they had plenty of idolatrous symbols, as we well know. But basically, with precision, they searched out the storehouse where the oil was kept with a seal, with the holy seal of the high priest, which indicated symbolically that this is something which is holy, something which has been blessed with divine power. This is what they destroyed. By all means, use the oil now. Now that it's no longer holy, now that it's no longer a symbol of godliness, use it. That's what they wanted to do. The miracle was that one cruise, one jar of oil was found with the seal of the high priest. And this was the miracle. That little bit of oil was strong enough and powerful enough to last for eight days, that which was greater than the logic, the cultural behavior of the Hellenist movement, faith, emunah, in Hashem, was strong enough to change the direction of the entire people of Israel and to return to a state of holiness where Torah became the word of God and mitzvot became the commandments of God. We live in a physical world. Yes, we do. But we understand the limits of the physical dimension. The Hellenists worshipped the human body. It wasn't that they understood they lived in a physical world. They actually worshipped the human body. That, to them, was the ultimate. We don't worship the human body. We nurture it. We keep it healthy. We see it as a creation of Hashem, a vessel which contains the neshama, which contains the soul, through which we are able to perform the will of God, to fulfill the purpose of God's creation. It's the combination of the body and the soul 
that can do mitzvot, that can study the Torah. It's our mind within our brain, within our head, with heart, within our bodies. It is that combination of body and soul, of neshama and goof, that we understand, that we respect. And this is why we keep our bodies healthy. We nurture our bodies, not because we worship the body. We see our bodies as a vessel for the soul through which and by which we can fulfill the will of God in this physical world. Because God created a physical world that needs to be nurtured. God wants us to build a dwelling place for him in this physical world. The Hellenist said no. The Hellenist said this physical world is a physical world only. And in this physical world, the body is supreme. And this is why in Mount Olympus, they worship the human form. They worship the human body. And tragically, so many of our Jewish brethren became mityavnim. They bought into this tragic philosophical nonsense. Worse than idolatry. And this was the great battle of Matityahu and his sons, not only to fight against the powerful forces of the Hellenist armies, but to find that cruise of oil and to return to a state of holiness, to bring the faith, godliness back into the lives of people. This is the great challenge of modern life today. Yes, a lot of people go through the motions of Yiddishkeit, but we have to rekindle the passion for Yiddishkeit, the recognition that there is God in our life, that Torah is not only a book of interest, a book of intellect, a book of great logic, but it's a word of God. We do these commandments, we observe Shabbos, we keep the various mitzvot because this connects us with God. These are his commandments. This is a symbol of fulfilling the will of God. And this is why each and every one of us must become a modern day hero. Each and every one of us must battle against the secularism of Hellenism and to retain that cruise of oil to show and to live by the presence of faith and the presence of godliness. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about the incredible heroic actions of uh, Matisyahu and his sons, the Maccabees, that not only won a battle against the powerful army, but changed the thinking of the Jewish people and reintroduced godliness into their lives. What the Hellenists tried to destroy, they brought back. You know, it's Black Friday at the Selwyn Siegel Gift Center. They have the most wonderful bargains, up to 80% off a huge variety of toys, homeware, and baby items. And there is a 10% discount on everything else in the store. It's happening in store only, so visit them from 8 a.m. today, this Friday, the 26th, at 113-113 George Avenue, Sandringham. But as we take a look at the Parsha Vayeshev, we have another hero. And who is that other hero? Joseph. 
Although, as I said earlier on, he had an unfortunate, unfortunate conflict with his brothers. But there was something unique about Joseph that the other brothers didn't have. And this is why his father gave him a multicolored coat, because his father recognized within Joseph something which was unique and special. And that was the ability to live a life in challenging circumstances and yet retain his absolute devotion and loyalty to God and godliness and the values of the house of Jacob. Jacob's brothers were all shepherds, and as such, they lived a life distant from, separate from, the hustle and bustle of, well, urban life. They weren't involved so much in the world. They weren't involved in the temptations of the world. They were separate from the world. They were shepherds away from what is considered to be the negativity of the world. Whereas Joseph, through, well, a strange set of circumstances, is sold as a slave, ultimately ending up, first of all, in the house of Potiphar, and then in the prison and ultimately becomes the viceroy, second in command to Pharaoh himself. But through all those experiences... He is not only a highly successful person, an exceptionally talented person in the house of Potiphar, even within the prison cells and ultimately in the palace of Pharaoh. He becomes a great, a great organizer, statesman, diplomat, leader. He always retains an absolute loyalty to his faith, to the values of the house of Jacob. And that is the heroic act of Joseph. Not so much that he became as great as he did, because he had the potential to become so great, but because he had the ability not to allow his values to become eroded or compromised as a result of the fact that he finds himself in difficult circumstances, in strange, in challenging circumstances. And this is something that we have to learn, each and every one of us. We all have talents, we all have abilities, and we all become great in certain ways. But do we along the way allow that which we stand for and we believe in, do we allow that to somehow get lost? Do we lose that which we stand for as we grow in wanting to become who we want to become? This is what Joseph teaches us. This is why he is called Yosef HaTzadik, the pious, the righteous, not because he was pious in the common understanding of the word, but because he was courageous and had the strength, the ability the fortitude to stand for what he believed in, despite the most challenging circumstances of a strange land, of a strange environment, of great temptation, of great offers of power. He stood for what he believed in, and yet he was great and successful. And this is the story of Joseph in Egypt. This is the story of this week's parasha. Of Ayesha. Yes, it came about as a result 
of all sorts of turbulence and difficulty and conflict with his brothers. They were jealous of the fact that his father gave him a multicolored coat. But his father recognized, Jacob recognized within Joseph something that the other brothers didn't have. Joseph had what the multicolored coat represented, the ability to live in different types of worlds and yet retain his core character. The other brothers could only live in one dimension, as shepherds away from the hustle and bustle of the world. And as I mentioned before, God created a physical world, and it's within that physical world that you have to bring together the physical and the spiritual, the material and the spiritual, the body and the soul. And this is why some people shy away. Joseph tells us you have the capacity. Yes, it takes discipline. It takes strength. But it can be done. This is where the Jewish hero emerges. The ability to blend the body and the soul, to recognize the importance of each and to work together to fulfill the will of God in the best and most possible way. It wasn't easy for Joseph. He went through difficulties, huge trials, huge tribulations, but he succeeded. And despite the fact, despite the fact, the challenges were there along the way, he stood his ground. And this is why today I spoke about three heroes, a modern-day hero, L.E.K., who proved to be an exceptional, extraordinary young man. I spoke about the heroism of Matisyahu and his sons, the Maccabees, who not only fought against a formidable army, but in actual fact brought the godliness back into Yiddishkeit, into the study of Torah, in the fulfillment of mitzvahs, the great story of Hanukkah that we begin to celebrate on Sunday night. And Joseph, the hero, who goes into a strange, challenging land and retains his values while he reaches the zenith of might and power, becoming a viceroy, second in command to Pharaoh himself. We can learn so much from all these three models, all these three images in our own lives. This is the Shabbos that we can become heroes by looking at these heroes, emulating those qualities and making them our own. Learning to love the land of Israel and the people of Israel, like Eli K. did with passion. Understanding the need for godliness in our study of Torah, our observance of mitzvot in our personal lives. And to understand, as Joseph did, despite the world that we live in that tries to destroy the values that we stand for. We stand with strength, we stand with fortitude, we stand with courage, and we stand for what we believe. It's a special Shabbos. And when you're in shul tomorrow, listen carefully to the story that's told in Bayesha. Fascinating story, a wonderful story, with so much to learn from and so much to teach us. Each page, indeed each sentence, each word, has Levels and levels of information. Listen carefully and listen personally. It's all there. Have a good chance.